eyes, and, and we're talking about this, this topic of Holy Spirit and Lent, and, um, and what does that look like? And so what we want to do is, is just kind of close our eyes for a second and listen well, and if, and if, you don't, and if you're not comfortable with that, then you don't have to, it's fine, uh, but just listen to the next little bit, um, and then I'll tell you when to open back up your eyes so that you're not sitting here for the next half an hour with your eyes closed, okay? And so here we go. Um, In brightness of sun, with air deeply filling my lungs, you are near to me. In the darkness of Sheol, when air escapes me, you are near to me. In peace and in silence and in stillness, you are near to me. In the chaos of the day, in errands, in chores, and in task, never ending, you are near to me. In the overwhelming joy of the unexpected, you are near to me. In the immense sadness and lament of the unanticipated, you are near to me. It is you who breathe breath into my lungs, you who wove me together in seclusion. The most intricate details formed me, and deep within, you continue to form me. Where can I go to get away from your greatness? Nowhere. You are near to me. It is you who sees me, my innermost thoughts and my wild ideas exposed to you. Where can I hide from you? Nowhere. You are near to me. It is you who I run from. I refuse to believe in a love that is bigger than the box that I have made for it. I often reject a love that could forgive me and make me new. Where can I run to where you are not? Nowhere. You are near to me. You refuse not to not pursue me. You are near to me. Open your eyes. Let's pray. You can open your eyes in prayer too. It's fine, guys. Over the next days and weeks, may our hearts and our souls and all of our strength be found in you. May we know you more. May we be formed by you, God, empowered by you, Holy Spirit, and receive the hope that is found in you, Christ. Amen. So as we continue this journey on Lent, we're reflecting on a passage uh, that's found in the New Testament uh, by the writer Luke and it's Luke chapter 4, uh, 1 through 15. And what we're going to go through today, um, we see that Jesus is, is led into the wilderness. Uh, he's led into this wilderness, but it's, he's led there by the Holy Spirit. Um, and remember that wilderness is defined as this uncultivated, uninhabitable, and inhospitable. Right? Let me say that again uncultivated, uninhabitable, and inhospitable. And But today we're going to focus on two verses uh, within this passage, and that's Luke 4.1 and Luke 4.14. I'm going to go ahead and read those, and it says this. Uh, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then in verse 14, we see this, that Jesus goes through this temptation or this time of temptation of 40 days. And then in verse 14, it says this, 
Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what we want to talk about today, this full of the Spirit, this filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think we would be remiss, though, just to go on without asking the most baseline question. Often what we do in church is we assume that everybody in the building knows exactly what we're talking about when we say terms like Holy Spirit, when we say terms like Trinity, when we say terms like the triune God, all right? And maybe some of you are sitting today saying, I don't know what that means. So we're going we're gonna to ask this question, and I think it's a, a super important question of this, who is the Holy Spirit? Because if we don't answer this question, we have no context for dealing with the verses that we're going to handle today. And the most simple explanation, yet still complicated, is this. The Holy Spirit is part of the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. The Holy Spirit is also known as the Advocate the counselor, and has always existed, okay? The Holy Spirit did not show up in Acts 2 as the new shiny part of God, all right? Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we say, oh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Pentecost is celebrated 50 days after Easter in this Easter season, And we think, oh, that's when the Holy Spirit came. And what we see is this. If we look throughout the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit is alive and well. a matter of fact, He couldn't not be. If three are one, if Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one, we see the Holy Spirit speaking things into existence, breathing life, guiding leaders, inspiring writers, giving abilities to people, taking these abilities away, prophesying about the Messiah, and the list goes on and on. A matter of fact, if we turn, which we're going to, to Genesis 1, if you have your Bible, it'll show up here on the Air Bible too, but in Genesis 1, it says this, 1, uh, 2 through 3, it says that the earth was formless empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then I want want to get this to you. In the beginning part of verse 3, it says this, then God said. Why is that so important? Well, let's turn to John. Because God, in the first chapter of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, he's going to say this. I want to read you five verses, actually six. John 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, or in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot be extinguished. We might have heard something like that when Josh was reading Psalms this morning. Did anybody hear anything like that this morning? Okay, there's a, that's called a theme. 
Jesus is the theme of the Bible. I don't know if you guys knew that. Old Testament to New, Jesus is the theme of the Bible. In verse 14 of the same chapter in John, we find this. So the Word became, and that's a capital W, the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Why is this so important? The treatment of this passage is so important because as John is writing this, his audience, this was mind-bending. We read this and we think, yeah, okay, I mean, okay, I mean, maybe in our 2019 eyes we read it and we might say something like, dude, is this guy weird, man? He's using the word, word, too much, all right? Maybe it's, maybe it's too much for us, but, but we have to understand the audience, that first century Greek or Jewish person that is reading or listening to this, this would have been crazy, because John is using a word here, the Greek word logos. I want us to, want us to I'm not asking you to, to become um, a thinker here. I am, though. Become a thinker, guys. Start thinking, please. It just, it, you'll love it, I promise, okay? And some of you, and let me just encourage you, some of you might think, well, I'm just not that smart. That's okay, all right? Just look at the disciples, Okay, what were these guys, Rhodes Scholars? No, okay. And so he uses this word, logos. Now here's what the definition is. And this is what, this is so important because this is what John's writing here to this first century Greek and Jewish uh, crowd. They would have understood it as this, that, that he was the creator of all things, the sustainer of the universe, and divine wisdom. That's how they would have read what he was saying there, the Word. Okay? So in the beginning, the creator of all things, sustainer of the universe, and divine wisdom already existed. The creator of all things, sustainer of the universe, divine wisdom was with God. And and the creator of all things, sustainer of the universe, divine wisdom was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The creator of all things, sustainer of the universe, divine wisdom gave life to everything that was created, and He, in His life, brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never be extinguished. Now, 14. So the creator of all things, sustainer of the universe, divine wisdom, became human and made his home among us. What John is indicating, or better yet, what John is explicitly saying is that Jesus is God. This changes everything. So when we look at this and we look at Luke 14 then, minus 10, Luke 4, and we see here that, you're welcome, um, when we see that it says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, these are not merely verses that we can just glaze over. See, Jesus in his humanity 
was dependent on the Holy Spirit for strength, for wisdom, for sustenance. And so we look here, this indicates that there's a, there's a dependence on the Holy Spirit by Jesus that we have to lean into Father, we have to lean into Son, we have to lean into Holy Spirit, and we, like Christ, are sustained by the strength of the Spirit who dwells in us. See, because the Spirit who is God, God who is Christ, Christ who is God, who is the Logos. Now, I want us to get a picture, just a brief picture, really quick, because I'm not going to go very long today. It's this. Uh, Baffling as I'm thinking about this, right? Because we're in John, we shoot back to Genesis, uh, we read in Psalms, we read the prophecies, um, you know, in Ezekiel and Isaiah and, and Daniel and on and on. And, and, and then there's this spirit that was hovering over the darkness. And, and, then, and then God said, and He created all things, and then the Holy Spirit, who is God, who is Christ, who is Father, dwells within us. Now this should be encouraging because of this. The one who created all things is creating something new in us. Transforming us, renewing us, and making us right. And yes, here's the other crazy thought is this, that in that, in that structure, He has also given us the choice so that we can say, no, I'm good. What? Like, think about that. No, I'm fine. And we can resist. But here's what I would say to you is this. There's an old uh, St. Patrick, actually. There's part of his uh, little, there's a prayer, St. Patrick prayer. But it's, I kind of modified it, so I just, want, I just want us to hear this real quick. Um, Christ before me to lead me. Christ behind me to encourage me. Christ beside me to keep me. Christ above me to keep me grounded. Christ below me to give me strength. Christ within me to transform me. Holy Spirit, before me to lead me. Holy Spirit, behind me to encourage me. Holy Spirit, beside me to keep me. Holy Spirit, above me to keep me grounded. Holy Spirit, below me to give me strength. Holy Spirit, within me to transform me. I want to encourage you all this morning from from a book, Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet. In the Old Testament, and the 32nd chapter, um, it says this, verse 15 through 20, say this, and the the whole chapter is talking about Israel's ultimate deliverance, so some context there, and and it says this in verse 15, until at last the Spirit is poured out on us from heaven. Check this out. I love this. 
Then the wilderness will become fertile field. And the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. Justice will rule in the wilderness. And righteousness in the fertile field. And this righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. My people will live safely, quietly at home. They will be at rest. Even if the forest should be destroyed and the city torn down, the Lord will greatly bless his people. Wherever they plant seed, bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and donkeys will will graze. I want us to to go back to the definition of wilderness that, that we saw previously. And it says this, that it is uncultivated, uninhabitable, inhospitable. God is making all things new. See, in this time, we often run away from where God may be leading us. And I I asked this morning, is God leading you into the wilderness? And if he's leading you into the wilderness, here's what I would encourage you. Embrace the wilderness. Embrace what God is doing because the wilderness is being renewed. We just read it there in Isaiah that the wilderness, that someday you will plant crops in this uncultivated area. This uninhabitable, once uninhabitable area will become habitable because of the things that Jesus is doing, the things that the Holy Spirit is doing, the the way that, that God is renewing all things. Because the creator of all things, the sustainer of all the universe, the source of infinite wisdom dwells in you. He sees you in the wilderness. He sees you wandering sometimes. He sees you on the mountaintop, and he has made you right through the death of the, on the cross of Jesus. He has brought you to life through the resurrection, and he is renewing you in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is hope in Jesus So I want to encourage you over these days, these days of Lent, and maybe some of you have not taken the opportunity to, to maybe um, to give something up. What I want to encourage you is this, and I'm not saying you have to, but I want to encourage you, do it. Over the next days, until we, until we celebrate the resurrection, until Good Friday, what is it, God, that I can, that I, again... I want to hold my life with my hands open, grasping nothing, not even the smallest thing that you desire from me. I want all of my life to be yours. What is it that I can give to you? So there's hope in Jesus. Here's what I want to encourage you with also. Go ahead and stand. I would ask you just put your heart. I don't really care how you stand. I don't care if you stand with your arms open, your arms down to the side. It doesn't matter. Here's what I would ask more. Would you stand with the heart posture open to God? I'm going to read this again. Before I read it, I'm just going to say one thing, and that's this. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
Do the deep work that you want to do. As we stand here, would you just come open up our hearts? We want to say yes to you, the things that you want to do. And we believe this. Christ, you are before us to lead us. Christ, you are behind us to encourage us. Christ, you are beside us to keep us on the path to follow you. Christ, you are above us to keep us grounded in you. Christ, you are below us to give us strength in our journey. Christ, you are within us to transform us to your likeness. And here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a minute and we're just going to be quiet. Father, do what only you can do. I pray for transformation for the people in this body. God, I pray for transformation for myself. I pray for transformation in the church of Lakeland. Do the things that you desire to do. And I pray that we would be a yes to you. That our lives would be a reflection of you and the things that you want to do. And and God, the areas that we're running in, you see us and you love us. And you pursue us. God, I pray for transparency. Transparency deep in our hearts to you, God. That we can have the real conversations and we can know that we're coming to a Father who loves us. God, that we can deal with the deep things and we, the things that we have our fists closed and clenched around. I pray that those, those no's, those denying of you would become yeses, that our fist would be open, that our clenched fist would turn into an open hand, God, that you could deal with the deep things in our lives, the things that we think that we can hide from you, I pray, God, that they would be exposed and 
not exposed in a dramatic fashion or the way that's going to get us, you know, just like the news way, the way that's going to change us deep within, God. All of us, God, becoming more like you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you pursue us that you guide us, that you fill us, that we can be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. just want to encourage you all. When you leave here, you're not leaving church. You are the church. So when you leave here, and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. You take the bride of Christ, you take the church wherever you are. And that means at work. And that means at the shuffleboard court. That means at church softball. Okay? It means at Walmart. And wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is alive and well, transforming you and loves the person that just cut you off in traffic. So I encourage you as you go out this week, be Jesus to the people that you are around. And can I just say one other thing is this. Know this, that God is not mad at you, that he loves you. And when you mess up, he sees it and he loves you. Just tell him you messed up and move on. Because his desire is to use you to impact the people around you, that their lives, just like yours, would forever be changed. So I just say, go in the peace of Jesus Christ. Amen.